Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. Hope you're warm. Hope you're feeling good and merry, merry Christmas to you. Hey, you made it. Somehow, by the grace of God, you made it. Hey, North Location, let's welcome the Plaza Location. Come on. Love you all very, very much. What a day. I had no idea it was going to be this intense. But hey, here we are. No time like now to lean into God as you slid into church. You guys grab your seat. I guarantee you there is a big chunk of people watching online right now. We greet you as well from the comfort of your jammies. And uh, you know the people that have SUVs and trucks because those are the people that are in church right now. People online watching right now are like praying, asking Santa for some snow tires. But the problem is it's a catch-22 because they aren't in church. They're on the naughty list. It's in the Bible. And you're not getting anything, friend. Um, Anyways. Hope you're good. Hey, yeah, we moved Christmas spectac- Spectacular. I don't know what Christmas Spectac is, but we moved that as well. And uh, <laughs> to next week, because we just wanted as many people as possible to be able to see it and experience it. And we want you to be safe. And that's part of the reason why we're doing the winter hours. It gets a little extra time uh, for hopefully, like, God, why can't it just snow on Monday? You know? Kids home from school. Maybe snow after I drop the kids off at school so they could stay there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey, we're talking about the thrill of hope, and if this season has lost its thrill, it's because you probably have forgotten your joy. I I believe it's probably because you've lost that little bit of joy that is on the inside of every single one of us. And I know when I'm speaking to anyone along Plaza, anyone here north, uh, there's a lot of reasons why you could be frustrated. There's a lot of situations that could be detrimental. A lot of negativity could be happening in your present world. But because of the cross, the empty grave, the promise, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, there's always a reason for joy. There's never a reason for the believer to ever look at your current circumstances and not be able to at least tap into that little divine gift from God called joy. You know, the Christmas angel declared, hey, this is good news. Another word for that is this is the gospel. This is the message that matters the most. This is the gift of Jesus. And this is good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. That's where we get the the song, joy to the world. There is joy for every single one. Well, pastor, you don't know what's going on in my world. You You don't know the things that I'm facing. They're not very joyous. I do believe this. Joy is a decision that we make based upon who God is and what God has and will do. James, Jesus' brother, writes, well-known passage, you've been in church at all. James chapter 1 says, consider it, what, pure joy. In other words, you can have joy in its purest form. He says, my brothers and sisters are my fellow believers, my church family, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about you, but maybe you're new to the faith. That can seem like the most mysterious scripture of all because it seems so opposite of how we're wired, and that's the way the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works many times upside down from the way that normal life is, the normal day-to-day life. 
He says, hey, you can actually consider this an opportunity for great joy in the midst of trials because James goes on to tell us God must be up to something good. In fact, the message paraphrase says, it's a sheer gift. It's a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come from all sides. Because under pressure, and that word describes many of you what you're facing right now, holiday season, just life in general, maybe the end of the year for your work, maybe you're coming face to face with, with family or just a season of frustration and you feel under pressure. But under pressure actually shows who you really are. It says your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. That pressure has a purpose. It's making you better if you're leaning on God. If you're protecting your joy, it's actually going to make you a stronger believer, a better man or woman of God. So then you can become mature and well-developed, not a deficit in any way. No deficits in your life. God actually uses problems and pressure and situations and trials to produce something better. So that's why we can consider joy as a sheer gift. I, I want to speak today about the, the gift of joy, the gift of joy. What we can learn from the Christmas story is that people are under pressure. Things don't make sense. People are dealing with letdowns. People are even feeling betrayed. And yet Jesus still comes right in the midst of that. This whole meaning of Christmas is to bring joy to the whole world. And what you call a trial, an obstacle, a problem, God sees as a test, an opportunity, and still a place for joy. You can have joy. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we made it here safe and secure. Lord, we thank you that um, you're going to keep us on the way home safe and secure. Our, our hearts are ready. Our minds are awake. We're ready to receive the word and to do the word. Lord, we don't need an inspirational message. We need a transformational word. So, Lord, we're leaning into what you have to say, Holy Spirit, what you want to do. Lord, I pray that anyone under, under the sound of my voice right now, if they're under pressure, Lord, I thank you that they're going to trust leaving here today that you're producing something greater. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. Well, last night I had a little short window of time to, to, to do whatever I needed to get done. So I decided, hey, I might as well like, get some Christmas shopping completed. But I made the foolish stupid decision to go to the plaza on a Saturday at Christmas time. Maybe the Northland doesn't understand. This, this is the worst decision you can make in the Christmas year. This is the most painful place on the planet. Now, I've been a decade on the plaza, living and working right around that area. I know how to navigate everyone from Iowa, everyone from Nebraska that's there on a normal weekend. But how many know the pressure escalates during the holidays? And the plaza, of course, it's spectacular at Christmas from a distance. It's magical. You got the lights, the songs, the sails, and the stupid horse carriages that won't get out of your way. Like they own the streets. I know it's great. We've taken our kids on those rides before. It's awesome. You can go see a tour and see where Lululemon is and a J. Crew, and it's, it's the best of the Midwest. And, and so I, I know all the shortcuts to get around. 
And so I made a couple moves that maybe, maybe not legal. It's grace movement, people. And, but I found myself, and I got stuck, and I got stuck right by the carriages. I got stuck right by the cars. I got stuck by all the shoppers that are just, like, they could either walk together across the walkway, but no, they choose to walk like the Beatles at Abbey Road. They're spread out, and they're just taking their sweet time. And so I went about 15 feet in about 15 minutes. But I'm a kind, caring Christian driver, and so I let one car go in front of me. But another truck said, I'm going as well. He was double dipping. And I did not allow him to go. I gave him a stare down. He kept going. I kept going. We're playing a game of, of like chicken, right? And I decided right at the, it's a purple truck too. Strike one. You know, this guy. And he just kept going. We were, gonna, we were on a collision course. And I was, honestly, I was fuming. And so I, I finally let him go through. I get the very last, I pushed it all the way up to the fender. Then I let him through just because I needed to prove a petty point. And I let him through because I'm a Christian. I'm like, I'm going to turn the other cheek, right? I'm going to go the second mile. I'm going to let the second car in. And, uh, and I played a little song for him on the horn. It was like Carol of the Bells. <laughs> I'll just let him have it. And it was amazing to me. And just about five minutes later, I just realized, why did I get so frustrated, so hot under the collar over one car that cost me one minute? And I realized I've been pushing, 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 pressing with church and, and life and, 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 and marriage and, and, and just building the church and everything going on that in this holiday season, I had, I had run up to my limits. And all it took was a little something going out of my way to not only get me out of joy, but to get me into anger. I tell you, having any anger, any hostility in your life is a surefire example and, and failed test that you're missing some joy. Now happiness, happiness and joy are totally different. I've preached on this before, but happiness, really the root of the word means what happens to you. It's about what happens outside your world, but joy is about you aligning your heart on the, on the inside. See, the Bible story of Christmas, the word joy is mentioned eight times. In other words, it is a major theme of the birth of Jesus. And let me tell you, it should be a major bedrock that you live on in the life of a believer is that a major theme of your life should be that you have joy because happiness is an emotion and joy is a choice. Joy is a choice based upon perspective. Happiness is based on what happens. Joy is based on what happened at the cross and what will happen at the end of your life. The God who saved you is the God who will secure you. The God always finished what he started. And so while you're in the meantime, even though you might be under unbelievable pressure, there's always something that you can rely on. That, that little spark of the Holy Spirit that will remind you it's going to be all right. Don't get so worried about what you're working through, what you're walking through, what you're facing, what barriers are in front of you. God knows what he's up to. I love this definition of joy. It's the settled internal confidence that God cares about every part of my life and God is in control in the end. That he cares about every part of my life. And that at the end of it all, I can trust that he will be good and do good for me even when what I see in front of me isn't all that good or pleasing. Now, I don't know what you might be going through now, right now, but I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna get through it. God cares and God's in control. Because of those two things, I can have a settled 
confidence and certainty in my heart, in my soul, in my inside world, no matter what I'm facing in my outside world. And if you've lost your joy, maybe you've had a little frustration, maybe you're cracking under the pressure, I believe in the name of Jesus, you're going to revive your joy. You're going to get back to a place where you're at peace, a peace that's unshakable, a joy that is lasting. And I hope you have happiness this holiday. I hope you have some fun with family and friends. But no matter what you're facing, you can always have joy. You need to understand this. We learn that joy dies in the presence of anxiety. If I am worried about what might happen, there is no place for joy in my inside world. And if you're stressed, if you're scared, if you're worried, because you're missing joy, like you cannot be joyful and fearful at the same time. And what we see in the Christmas story, although we've romanticized it, we actually see there's some fear in this story. There's some uh, misunderstanding. There's some conflict. There's some chaos. There's some difficulty going on. But through it all, Jesus still is born right in the middle of that. But I love that as a born-again believer, you might be facing some chaos and uncertainty. Jesus can be alive right in the middle of what you're facing. We make the Christmas story so sweet and serene, but it really isn't that way. Mary, the mother, mother of Christ, the mother of Christmas, right? She's uh, facing unbelievable pressure for anyone, let alone a, a 14 or 15-year-old, a teenager. She's got rumors and, and gossip. Her family fall, probably feels betrayed, and they don't, maybe they don't believe her. I, I think it'd be really hard to believe what she tells them about the child and its origin. So, of course, she probably feels betrayed because her family isn't there for her. And so she's under unbelievable pressure, and yet she persists. She makes it through. Think about this, women, of your last week of your pregnancy. Imagine taking a three-day journey on donkey back. Not very exciting. I love for the Christmas spec, we have camels coming. This just in, the camels will be here next week as well. They're not staying in the building all week long. I'm going to take one home to get through the snow on the way out of here. But then she goes all the way through this journey just to give birth in a barn. And the only people that are there are these shepherds that show up. A little bit later on, wise men. They, she, she's under pressure. In fact, in the story of Christmas, the word afraid is used seven times. I love, though, the fact that, 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 that like fear is used seven times, but joy is used eight. Which to me, if I could read into between it just a little bit, it means like there's always going to be a reason to fear, but there's always just a little bit more of a reason to have joy. No matter how bad it's gotten in your world, in your relationships, in your finances, with your family, Maybe how bleak your future might look, there's still a little bit more opportunity for joy than there is for fear. I mean, today's teenagers are, teenagers are worried about their crush, like messaging them back. Mary receives a message that she is going to carry the Savior of the world at 14 or 15 years old. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's biblical Elizabeth. My lovely Elizabeth is about five months of pregnancy. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a young virgin girl named Mary. At the time, Mary was legally engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Suddenly an angel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, highly favored woman. That's also how I greet Liz in the morning in my angelic form. The Lord is with you. What's her initial response? Frightened and disturbed by this. I mean, what is this? What is happening? It's intimidating. It's a lot to take in. An initial response to God doing something new, not just for her, but for all of humanity, is I'm frightened and disturbed. Because not all good news seems that good when you hear it. And this is why we can go back to James, that what you're facing that seems so difficult, there might actually be a God purpose through it all. Mary wondered, what could the angel possibly mean? In the midst of her frightened and disturbed state, the angel speaks to her heart and says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have been what? Chosen by God for his purpose. A traumatizing event, but the angel who comes with a, 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 what seems intimidating and disturbing to Mary at the time then just speaks, hey, no, you can be at peace. You, 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 you've been chosen by God. I don't know what sort of situation you could be facing today. I could take a few guesses. I could throw out a few things, and I probably would hit at least 80% of you with the current scenario that's capturing your mind and your heart. But I will say this. Just like Mary, you have been born for eternal things. You are alive for a big purpose. The angel says you have been chosen by God for his purpose. And I know for a fact every believer, every person has a big God purpose. Listen, you will miss the purpose of heaven for your life if you allow fear to push you away from God's plan. You'll miss it. Don't miss it. Don't allow what seems intimidating, what might be frustrating, what causes insecurity, what maybe produce, produce anxiety in your heart. Don't let it stop you from continuing to lean in to listen to what God might be saying to you. And when you hear from heaven, it will put you at peace so you can fulfill the God purpose. Verse 31, the angel continued, you will become pregnant and have a son and you will name him Jesus. Your child will be the greatest. I know every Instagram mom thinks their child is the greatest. Wrong, Mary's is, he's the greatest. The son of the most high God, he will sit on David's throne as king forever, and his kingdom will never end. And, and that might seem encouraging, but to me, if I'm married, that sounds even more intimidating. Not only am I with a child without having been with a man, but now I've got to carry this child who's of utmost importance. I mean, she can't get this thing wrong. She's got to figure this thing out. And what I've learned is the bigger the plan, sometimes the greater the pain. The bigger the calling, sometimes the greater the cost, which is good news. Listen, if you're in the midst of frustration or, or, or an anxious place, if you're in the midst of some insecure things or even in the midst of some pain, it must be because God has a big plan. God has a big plan. Don't limit the plan just by pulling away when it gets a little bit painful. And maybe what looks like a problem to you that you didn't ask for, you didn't want, it showed up on your doorstep. Maybe you're born into a family of brokenness. You didn't ask for that. It's just what you kind of inherited in your life. Maybe what looks like a problem is just a part of the plan. Maybe God is doing something greater. And when the pressure's on, it can show you who you really are. 
who you really are. Verse 34, Mary asked, how is this possible? I've never slept with a man, the angel replied. God's Holy Spirit and his creative power will overshadow you. Your baby will be wholly the son of God. It will be a miracle. Just as your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, for nothing is impossible with God. If you're at a place where the only, you've tried everything you could in your own ability, you've tried praying, believing, standing, getting encouragement from other people, you've tried every resource made available to you and it hasn't worked yet, and this is what's causing the fear or anxiety or the dread or discouragement to rule in your heart, I can tell you, you could still have joy because it, if it takes a miracle, you have a God who can do miracles. In fact, how great of a testimony of God's goodness does it become where there was no natural way it should work for you, and yet God still did the work. The, the bigger the pain, normally the greater the plan. The, the more you're coming up against, the more cost, normally the greater the calling. And when you have nothing else that you can do, you're in the perfect place for God to do what only he can do because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And Mary, in the midst of all this pressure, all of this problem that's arrived to her, she still chooses, in uncertainty, she chooses joy because she chooses to trust in God. Trust in God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he, whatever God wants. May everything you have said come true, and then the angel left her. I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. I wonder if you've ever made that decision. Have you ever crossed over the line that said, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to accept that I'm going to get what God wants. You can keep your joy in the midst of unbelievable fear if you would just settle in your heart. I don't like how this looks, but I'm choosing to leverage my faith to trust in my God. I, let it be unto me according to his word. I'm going to trust the word of God. I'm going to trust the goodness of God. I'm going to trust the ways of God. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. It might take a miracle. Good thing I have a God that does those. Let it go ahead and be it unto me. Whatever God wants, he can make this work. And if you live in that kind of place, a faith-filled surrender, you will see God not just sustain you, but God see you through, and you can keep your joy even when you're facing unbelievable, unbelievable pressure. If you've never made that decision, it says, I'm going to trust God when it's not convenient. It's no wonder that you live in worry. I think every single one of us needs to cross that little place in our heart, submit it and commit it completely over to God, that it's going to be your word. Not, I'm not going to make a way through in my own ability. I'm going to trust your word to be, to be true. I love it. And she just makes this choice. It's so powerful. Luke chapter 1, 47. My spirit, what's your spirit? That's your personal, relational connection to God. That's your inside world connected to your, the eternal Father, perfect God. She says, my spirit, I don't like what's being said. I don't know what I'm gonna have to face with my family, with my friends, and my future with Joseph. I don't know what that looks like. I can feel the pressure mounting. That's why I'm frightened right now. But my soul, my spirit, excuse me, my inside connection to God finds its joy in God. He's my savior. And if all I have left 
is my salvation. That's all I need to find my joy in my inside world with my God. Three words that can secure your future in the midst of anything you might be facing. Trust your God. You can trust your God. Another joy killer is living in the past. A living in the past when we're, we're, we're holding on to things. It's unforgiveness. I talked about it a little bit last week, how to deal with the problem people in your world, in your life, how to settle some of the pains. I know Plaza location, North location, if every one of us took a poll of people that have hurt us or if we've ever been abused or neglected or, or left or heartbroken, every single hand would be up all over the place because there's many hurts in this room and there's been many hurts done by people in the room. And every single one of us have done that. Every single one of us have, have done something out of alignment, done something for someone else. It might not be as bad as what you have faced, but the truth is all of us have added to the chaos and the brokenness of this world. And I'm sorry for whatever you face, but it is a part of what happens. Hurts happen to us and hurts also happen through us. But there's a place that you can get to that you can still be at joy no matter how someone has hurt you or abused you or left you or broken your heart in the past because joy is an inside decision based upon God's goodness, not people's goodness. And I think about Joseph in this story. When the love of his life says she's pregnant, and he had no part to play in it. It probably felt like the greatest betrayal he could ever even think of. It says in Matthew 1, Matthew's account, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was legally betrothed. We don't use that very often, betrothed, but that's more than an engagement. It means they were locked in to be married, to be together for forever. Normally it was about a year long. And to break up a betrothment would be just as equal of having a divorce. And they were all the way in, all the way decided. And she was there to be betrothed, to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, when they had not come together, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph, let's talk about Joseph, who he is. is he's a godly man who, who always did what was right. And he did not want to shame Mary or expose her to public disgrace. So he planned to quietly call off the wedding. So here, Joseph has every right to let the whole world know how wrong he's been done. Joseph has every right, and you know he's got to be feeling the pain, the betrayal, the heartache. And he has every opportunity to, to expose her because of what she did to him. But it says Joseph was a godly man. And godly men, godly people, we actually make allowances and cover for other people. We don't cover up for their issues, but by grace and mercy, we extend mercy to them. And did not want to shame her or to publicly disgrace her, although guess what? He just got publicly disgraced. In other words, he doesn't return a wrong for a wrong. Remember, at this moment, he has not heard where this baby came from. Or if he heard it, it only came from one person, Mary. In other words, he had no proof, no backup. It says he's a godly man who always does what is what is right. And Joseph has a, a broken heart. Why he was faithful. He did the right thing. Someone else seemingly did the wrong thing. Like if I'm Joseph and Mary's saying this, it's like, well, why hasn't the angel come to me? Why didn't the angel do like a conference call, double FaceTime situation here? Like, how come I got left out? Like, does he not know? Does God not know that we're legally betrothed? That, does God not know how this is going to make me look? How this is going to make me feel? And yet he didn't believe her. So if he, did, if he believed her in the moment, he would have gone through with it just as, but says, no, I don't believe you. 
you've hurt me, you've betrayed me, but I'm still going to do the right thing. He didn't take it public. He chose to do it quietly to not disgrace her. And why did God do this? Why? He's testing Joseph's character. He's testing character. That's why James says you can be of good cheer. You can take delight. You can be excited by the sheer gift of a trial because it's going to test you to produce something greater in you and something greater through you. Mary and Joseph's character needed to be tested so God could trust them more. He already knew that Mary was pure, but he brings to her an opportunity, and she makes a free will decision to receive the word even in the midst of fear. And she has something beautiful to bring. The will and purpose of God for her life has blessed us all. Joseph, same way. He's got an opportunity to take offense and in his frustration to, to alienate her and to vindicate his name. And yet he does the high character cost of saying, no, I'm going to do this privately. And because they passed those tests, God knew I can trust them to bring the greatest gift of all into the world. Can you keep doing what's right even when you've been done wrong? That, that's what God is asking of all of us. Joy lives in my life. Joy lives in your life when grace rules in our hearts. When grace is the current status and decision of our, of our hearts. Because you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. I do believe everything you're facing, there is purpose in your pain. That God could use it to make you better. Three words that can change your life. Let it go. Let it, there is no place, listen, new to faith, grown in the faith, maturing believer, brand new baby Christian, there is no place in the believer's life for unforgiveness. So much so, and I talked about last week, that you got to choose to forgive others so that you can receive the fullness of your forgiveness. Well, you don't know what they've done. I don't know what they've done, but God knows exactly. And he also knows everything you did and everything you will do, and he forgave you when you didn't do anything to make it right. And Joseph shows this godly character to extend grace and mercy in the midst of betrayal and pain. What are you holding on? There's nothing you can do about it, but let it go. I guarantee you that person who did you wrong isn't like, staying at home, pacing the floors right now, thinking about how they hurt you. I guarantee you right now, they are probably sitting down, eating brunch somewhere. It's the farthest thing from their mind. And yet the enemy will use it to hold you captive, to hold you in a place of pain, to hold you back from the purpose of heaven. And I love this. This is so powerful. Almost done. Matthew chapter 1, this time verse 20. After deciding this... The angel shows up. The dream happens. I wonder what after you decide to forgive, God's going to do. I wonder what after you decide to let go of the past, that God's going to do in your future. After deciding this. In other words, he made a now decision, and then God showed up to validate who he is and the whole story and to reveal his divine purpose in all of this. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, the, the baby that Mary is carrying really is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead with your dream, with your desire, with your purpose. Go ahead and marry the girl that you love. 
And when the baby is born, name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Every negative thing that has happened to you can become a God thing with one decision. Forgive. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to let it hold me back. Every detriment of the devil to try to hold you in your yesterday can be released in a moment of faith that I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. They betrayed me. They hurt me. They wounded me. I guarantee you, if you have anger in your life, you're dealing with a wound from your childhood that you haven't let go. I guarantee you, if there's a cycle of sin that you never can get out of or shame in your world, it's because you've held on to something of your yesterday. And when you make a now decision to let it go, then God shows up. He validates you and sends you off in the new direction of your God mission. Bitterness or blessing, the decision is yours. Bitterness or blessing, the decision is yours. The truth is this, every single one of us, every single one of us are in Christ now. The past is settled. He's made us new. We are in Christ. And guess what? And God's Holy Spirit is in us. So no matter what you're in right now, whatever pressure, whatever problem, whatever stress-filled situation or scenario, whatever you're facing right now that's causing you anxiety, unforgiveness, bitterness, bitterness or discouragement, you can remind yourself, no, I don't care what I'm in. No matter what I'm in, into, whatever, no matter what situation I'm in, I'm still in Christ. The old has been settled and he's making something new. No matter what I'm facing, he's still in me. And greater is he that is in me than any betrayal, than any anxiety, than any unforgiveness, than anything that's ever happened to me, than any problem, than any pain. You can let it go. I'm going to finish with this. Psalms 51. I actually have three points to this sermon, and I didn't get to either one of them. I didn't get to the third one in the first service, and I ain't going to try today. Psalms 51, verse 12. David cries out, Lord, restore me. Lord, restore me. Restore my peace. Restore my purpose. Lord, give me, give me the, the audacity and the boldness to forgive. Lord, restore me. Restore me to the joy of my salvation. If you have nothing else going right in your world, the greatest thing of all has already happened. I can always have joy. Why? Because I always have him, and he always has me. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to worship God. I want you to worship God with all of your heart. I want you to give him your very best. The more anxiety you've been feeling, the more pain you've been up against, the more your praise should be, because you're going to be find that joy on the inside. You're going to find that peace in your inside world. You're going to find that breakthrough on the inside by giving it over to God. And we do a demonstration of how we feel on the inside is what we let out to God on the outside. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you in the plaza. Let me pray for you up here. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your grace for every one of our hearts, for every one of our lives, for every one of our families, for whatever we are facing. Lord, the pressure is real, not just in this season, but every day of our life. Lord, I thank you. You're giving them peace in the midst of pressure, and they're protecting their joy because they're living according to your word, and they're trusting their God. Lord, you give them a settled confidence and assurance that you care about every single part of their world. And not only do you care about their inside world, you care about their circumstances. 
And Lord, they're subject to change. Our outside things can change, but you never change. You're always good. So we're trusting in your goodness. And just like Mary, even though we don't know the way forward, we're gonna say, go ahead, God. Be it unto us according to your word because your word is your will and we want your will more than anything else. We trust that you did good at the cross. You will do good at the end of our life and you are good in the middle of whatever we're facing. Lord, I thank you that unforgiveness is far from us. Let nothing hold us back by us holding on to it. We choose by grace and by faith to let it go in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, take the limits off of our life. Give us peace in the midst of the pressure and give us a joy that's unshakable and let the world know how good you are by the great things you're doing in our world and through our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, Plaza. Come on, North. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship God.